I don't think there's anything that brings my heart the measure of joy as when I have a sense that the Spirit of God is in breaking into my life and our life. It's absolutely glorious. And as we're witnessing God doing something that's different, it's also somewhat challenging. <laughs> Meaning practically it's 5.39 and 40 seconds right now. I think the text go out for the nursery kids in five minutes. <laughs> My nursery kid is being watched by grandparents. So she's not here, so we don't have that dilemma. But then I think five minutes later, there's the uh, preschool. And then five minutes after that, there's so on and so forth. And I think that as I've reflected upon both honoring the move of the Holy Spirit and giving him space, which is the cry. We want him to have space to be himself. Uh, then there's this tension that comes with that of giving God space that then the repercussions of how do we steward that as a family. Uh, because the last thing, and I don't think the heart of God in any way, shape, or form, is attempting to communicate that there's a segregation between what happens in adult church and children's church or you know, the putting, there's just tension that we're in. I'm not here to preach a sermon about the solutions that we have, but I do want to just speak uh, perhaps a word of exhortation that I, I believe God's challenging the wineskin in some way of how we've thought about church, even as a family. Uh, I believe that this is, God is, God's glory is intended to unify the family. Uh, this last Monday, I was reading the scriptures about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was just reading through Luke, and Naomi was next to me because Jackie was working, and as I'm reading, it was as if heaven just opened. I, I was reading just uh, like Luke 2, where Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, and I'm just reading the story, and then out of nowhere, it was like heaven opened, and I got overcome with the manifest presence of God, to the point that I looked at Naomi, and I was like, this is going to get on you, and I just... <laughs> laid my hand on her and she went into like this ah. seriously for the next 30 minutes she's in like a zen like state Jackie hears me like whoa Lord thank you more more she's like what's happening I'm like just sit down I put my hand on her and Jackie starts manifesting on the presence of the Lord and we just go into this spontaneous worship for 30 minutes in our kitchen table and Naomi's just like ah ah and I thought that was such a picture, and it honestly fired me up in some ways even more than it happening at church. Not that it doesn't fire me up when His glory pours out at church, but it fires me up even more when it pours out in my kitchen table because I want glory in the bathroom, glory in the car, glory in the kitchen. I want to be a habitation of God, and I believe that's the call of the church. So as we're, you know, even what Isaiah shared about this, uh, the, the Christmas meeting and Brenda and I have been in conversations and Johnny, it's like our whole team is flexing and being stretched in some ways to the brink, trying to discern how are we going to do this. And I really think what we've realized is that it's not going to be able to be a staff thing, but it's going to be a priesthood thing. And we're going to have to grow up and mature as families, as priests of our own home. Practically what that looks like tonight is that you're going to have a decision here and two minutes and five seconds 
Those of you that have nursery, is this a night as the priest of our home that we're going to flex and we're going to stay late? Is this a night where the Spirit of God's releasing us to go home? Um, and I think that we're going to learn how to create a culture where there's going to be space for our kids to come. Um, we're not going to have altars in our homes if we don't know how to do altar as a family at church. And I just feel the Lord's inviting us to start thinking creatively and without this FOMO or fear of missing out as families where there's going to be nights to stay and to press in and there's going to be nights and that's where it's going to put a premium on us discerning how the leadership of the Lord is, is, is exercising upon us. And so I'm just trying to invite you into the reality that we are going to let the move of the Holy Spirit have his way and learn to ride the waves. And when there's a wave like tonight, we're not going to stop it. I believe I have a word from the Lord, so I'm going to offer it. We're going to create space for ministry, and we're going to figure this out somehow. Um, but I think this is part of the wineskin. Uh, I've even realized I have this dichotomy in my own mind of like, well, we come to church and we drop off the kids, and then we pick the kids up when church is over, and it, I, we're just, we're working. So I really invite you to pray and discern and recognize that you're a priest. I bless you in your priestly call to steward your home and whatever that might look like uh, on any given night. So I wish I had more, but I don't think it's an accident that God put me up here right at the time when kids will be going home. So, or coming in is what I meant. Coming in. I want them in. I want my little girl. I want her behind the veil. I want her to... I want her to know God's presence, even in her infancy. It's like, blesses my heart more than anything. So, Lord, I thank you that you are raising us up as a royal priesthood, that you uh, gave this message to me, I think, in early September, and we have these two months of revelation knowledge on the concept of a royal priesthood, and now you've turned up the temperature, and we're actually having to figure out how to do it. And I just pray that you give us wisdom beyond our ability, God, that, it, that our spirit would tap into your spirit and that you would resource us as a church to grow as a family in this hour and that your glory would touch the family and we would carry your glory home. And on the nights when you say, go home, your, your presence goes with us and that you'd meet us in the car on the ride home and that you'd meet our children in their beds and that you'd, you would do what we could never do, God. We simply yield before you as a family, a multi-generational family with different stresses and difficulties. Lord, we just say we're willing to bend and, 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 and change, Lord, and repent and turn and renew our minds of what it means to be the church and what it means to come into your presence and to let you have your way. Lord, I continue to pray for our children, for workers. God, I have a conviction that your anointing is coming upon workers, even people in this room, people that would maybe say, I'm not called to children, that you're going to pour out grace upon unsuspecting people who are looking, you're looking for willing vessels that you can anoint with your glory to minister to our children. Lord, that you're going to raise up our children to minister to us in this hour. We just, you're, you're doing more than what we know, God. And we just, we give you permission to move. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I, I had a conversation with the Lord on Friday morning, and I don't think that the conversation is done between me and him, but I felt like he started uh, opening up a, a topic of conversation that I want to bring you at least into a bit of tonight, and then we'll, we'll minister out of that. But the picture that I have is I used to be obsessed with uh, dinosaurs when I was a kid, you know, archaeologists. And they're like digging up the dinosaur bones, you know, like the beginning of Jurassic Park when they got the, you know, and they got the little, you know what I'm talking about? Little brushes. Like, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I think that, is that the first thing I wanted to be? I think it was. It was either a cowboy or an archaeologist. Might have been a cowboy, then an archaeologist, then Michael Jordan, and then Tiger Woods, and then Bill Johnson. <laughs> you know, I just... Come on, we're all imitating somebody, right? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So my problem was the first four people weren't imitating Christ, you know, so. <laughs> Anyways, the, the picture I have is, you know, archaeologists slowly uncover uh, like a, a dinosaur skeleton or whatever. I, I had this image in my spirit of, it was as if the Holy Spirit was uncovering the cross, and in some ways, I think the cross has become petrified in history books. And the Lord wants to uncover it and bring fresh insight into the revelation of the cross. And the Lord just started having this conversation that honestly really provoked me at a deep place and inspired me. And so I'm just going to offer a little bit of it. Uh, I'm going to read first out of Second Peter chapter 3. It says uh, in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening to the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. How many people have studied that one recently? So I've been pondering with the Lord and conversing, thinking of the Friday, Saturday, Sunday experience of Jesus' death the Sabbath, and then the resurrection as a microcosm of the whole narrative of the created order, that the entirety of our lives is somehow housed within the, day, this, the death, the Sabbath, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that this is the center of the cosmos, that this day is when the eternal story stepped into time and somehow, even though this happened 2,000 years ago, we're still living into it. Let me unpack this further. Friday representing the cross, right? It was the day of the cross. It was Good Friday. It was the day that Jesus died. And it's fascinating if you look at Friday and, and perhaps let that define 
the first creation. Say first creation. So we just read in Peter that the first creation in, in, is going to be destroyed. So we have in Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. And Peter read, tells us here in, in his epistle that the, the earth is going to be destroyed and the heavens are going to be destroyed, but then there's going to be a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. So if we look at Friday as representing the old heaven and the old earth, which we are born into, we're living in right now, there's a Friday and then there's a Sunday, which prophetically speaks of a new heaven and a new earth. So Friday is, is symbolic. It's prophesying to us about the, the original creation, this Genesis 1 creation of a heaven and an earth. And it's fascinating that, that we're told in Revelation that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of... So this creation... Friday, the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus, it manifested 2,000 years ago on a Friday evening. But Jesus, it, the, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Meaning that the foundational act that created the creation that you and I were born into was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So you can define that the cross is the message of this age. We're living in the age, the creation of the cross, because it's the lamb slain before the foundation of the creation that we were born into. I'm reminded of Narnia. Who's seen Narnia? Who's seen a movie? There's this amazing scene where the white witch is coming to claim Edmund because of his sin, and she says, he's mine, and she starts to quote, what C.S. Lewis calls the secret magic. And Aslan rips back at her and says, don't quote that to me. I was there before the foundation. I was there when it was written. Jesus is the lamb slain. Before anything ever came into existence of this creation, he is the lamb slain, meaning the cross. We're living in the age of the cross. We were born into the creation of the cross. It's fascinating to think that Satan didn't create all of this. He was the lamb slain before, before Satan fell. He's part of the creation. Before Adam ate and Eve ate, before any of this is the cross. And the cross is the love of God. And it's also the, the message to the church. You can't be my disciple unless you carry your we see even when Adam and Eve, the first thing they do when they step out of the garden, they're, they're actually forced out of the garden, they have a son, Cain, they have the son, Abel, and there's no written scripture that says why they would start offering things to God, but Cain and Abel start to offer sacrifice to God. Say sacrifice. They intuitively begin to offer sacrifice to God because this creation, the center, the heartbeat of this creation is the cross of Jesus Christ. 
Sacrifice is woven into the fabric of human society. Every world religion is simply searching for the sacrifice that could please God. The sacrifice that could atone for the, 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 the separateness that we feel from eternity, from life. From the death and the decay and the brokenness. And so man has intuitively been searching for God. And in that search has come to repeatedly in all these different ways sacrifice. Because the cross is the center of the old creation. It is the age of the cross. It's Friday. So it's the age of the cross. There is a Sabbath. Jesus dies on a Friday. They rest on the Sabbath. And then on Sunday... He raises from the dead. It's a resurrection. The founding act of a new creation is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if this age is marked by the cross, which would be the ultimate choice of love, it's, it's an age of decision. It's the age of freedom where man can either choose or reject God where mankind can either choose by faith to receive the perfect sacrifice of Jesus or not. It's an age of choice. It's an age of decision. It's a creation that is insignificant, but a creation that's coming to an end, which was signified by the death of the one who created it. Then we have Sunday. This is the age of decision, the age of the cross. This is an age of union, intimacy, where there'll be no more tears, no more weeping, no more pain, no more suffering, just perfect connection. So follow me here now. So we have the age of the resurrection, the new creation, the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem. We have the old creation. And what bridges them? The cross. There is only one way out of this old creation into the new one. It's the cross. It is the only pathway to escape death. It's the cross. No one will come to the Father but through me and you can't follow me unless you pick up your cross and follow me. So Christians are these awkward group of people <laughs> that have both the age to come and the age that is commingling simultaneously within them. We are both a foretaste of the new creation and living with the residual effect of the old creation. Let me just contextualize this for you in the scripture. This is Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Sorry, chapter 5. We'll end of verse 4 and then 5. This is chapter 4, verse 16, 2 Corinthians. Therefore, we don't lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory 
far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, old creation, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, old creation, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, new creation. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we're in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we don't want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by what is life eternal. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We're of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the Lord and to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one will be recompensed for his deeds in the body. Do you see the tension? Weakness and resurrection life. Suffering and glory. Even more explicitly, perhaps, in Philippians 3, I count all things to be lost and view the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them rubbish so that I may gain Christ, and may be found on him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And now listen, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, new creation, and the fellowship of his sufferings, old creation, being conformed to his death, the cross, the age of the cross, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I haven't laid hold of it, but I continue pressing on so that I can take hold of that for which he took hold of me. There's tension. We are an awkward people, the church, co-mingling the age of death with this old body, this old tent that's groaning but then also to the degree to the degree of which we've allowed the cross to do its work in us we have pressed on into the reality of a resurrection life and we are now a new creation a foretaste of a new creation that's prophesying to a dying world that there is a way out of your death and decay but there's only one way it's the cross it, all this whole creation will be burned with intense heat. The heavens and the earth will come to an end. And there is only one path to get out of it. It's the cross. It's the cross. So this is the message of salvation. This is why a new creation cannot help but become an evangelistic people that proclaim to a dying world. There is a way out of your suffering, decay, and brokenness. It's the way of the cross. It's the way to the resurrection. What are signs and wonders and miracles? This creation breaking into the old creation. What is this creation? It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of heaven. 
miracles, healings, these, these supernatural occurrences. Tonight as we worship this weighty presence that comes upon us, that is the end breaking of a new age, a new creation, the kingdom of God, which Jesus says is here and is inside of you. It's a new creation. So we preach the message of the cross. We, we, we make visible the message of the cross to a dying world because it is the hope of salvation. There's this mindset in the world today that that's quite a stiff word to say that Jesus is the only way. Don't all religions that, that promote love, like, you know, that's, isn't it a little more reasonable to have other ways. And if your reason, if you really believe that this is an old creation that's going to burn, <laughs> it's not very reasonable to say you can, there's many, there's not many ways. There's not many messages. There's one message, it's the cross. It's the most loving thing that we can do to tell somebody it's the cross. It's the cross. But there will only be authority on the message of the cross proclaimed from the bride if the bride has carried her own cross and pressed into resurrection herself. Because if we are still living on the other side of the cross, meaning we have perhaps intellectually assented with the message of Jesus, but we haven't yet embraced the cross ourselves, we have not died. And if we have not died, we have not pressed on to a resurrection. So the message of the cross will have no power. Because it's not real. It's not etched inside of us. It's not written into us. It's not, it's not incarnated into our very being. We haven't allowed it to crucify us. Why would Paul say, I yearn to be conformed to his suffering? Because he's saying, what I've tasted. Everything else is rubbish. It's trash compared to the glory of a new creation in Christ. I'm groaning in this earthly tent because I feel naked and I want to be clothed with Christ completely. And to the degree that we allow the cross to crucify is the degree to which we will step into the reality of a resurrected life while we're still here on earth. Because there was a Friday, there's a Sunday, but then there was a Saturday. And I believe we're living in Saturday, which is this in-between. It's a time of war between a new creation and an old creation, between an, a new dominion and an old dominion. And it is finished. Therefore, strive to enter the rest of God. Strive to enter into the Sabbath of God, into the finished work of the cross, so that we, while still here, living as residents of an old creation, are starting to actually press in and press on to becoming sojourners, perhaps on earth and aliens, but residents of, of a new city, a new kingdom, a new creation, that live lives that the world doesn't make sense of. This is the call of the Christian. This is the call of the church to be cross carriers. But we have to have an appetite for the cross. And I feel like if we see 
this meta-narrative of God, how can we not yearn for the cross? How can we not ask for the cross? How can we not rejoice and, and adore the wisdom of God that would give us a cross? Jesus took the cross, not so that we wouldn't have to take the cross, but so that his cross would prophesy to us in the midst of our cross carrying that it leads to resurrection. It leads to resurrection. The world needs prophetic epistles of the resurrected life. We're never going to be perfect people. We're, we're still going to be carrying the cross and it's going to be perfecting and crucifying. God will target that which is still alive in us because he wants all to come under the brutal crucifixion of the cross so that while dying, yet we live. Because what God crucifies, God himself will resurrect. Oh, the glory of the cross. Oh, the absurd wisdom of God that challenges every earthly idea of wisdom, but says, come and die and find new life. This is the cross. We are a people of the cross. And if we'll carry our cross and embrace it as a gift, as a gift, as a gift, as a gift, that says, I cling. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We have to cling to the cross because it's salvation. It's the only way. Our lives should just be lived at the cross. No more complaining. No more grumbling. Just saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for a way out of the old creation. Thank you for a way out of a life of death and decay and poverty and disease and brokenness and affliction and persecuted on all sides. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, God, for the cross. If we see the cross, we can't help but exclaim. We can't help but worship as we die. We can't help. We can't help it. It's the most beautiful thing that's ever been. It is why people wear necklaces in gold with a cross. It is why the cathedrals of old on the top of those towers, it is a cross. Because the church saw it. This was the equivalent of a noose. No one's wearing necklaces with nooses. No one's wearing necklaces with electric chairs. No one's wearing necklaces with, with all the horrible instruments that create death. But this one, this one is. Because this is the way. This is the way into a resurrected reality. Not just when we die, but here. Here on the Sabbath Saturday. Here on this day that marks an age in between the age of the cross and the age of the resurrection, we have a choice to make, which is, will you take the cross? How far can we live into the new creation? I don't know, but it's a lot further than we are tonight. How, how deeply can we press in to the reality of the kingdom of God more than we have. 
more, there's more, there's more life. John 7, I was studying it this week, when Jesus cries out, it would have been the last day of the feast, it would have been the seventh day of the feast, and they all would have been singing, let us come to the well of salvation that we may drink from it. And it says Jesus cried out with a loud voice because I believe he's interrupting the song of the ceremony. And he cries out, if anyone is thirsty, let him keep coming to me and keep drinking. And out of your innermost being will flow a river of living water. (laughs) How far can we go? How deep can we drink? The question that will define the life of a Christian is how much way will you give to the work of the cross in your life? This is not a message of your salvation. We are saved by faith in the name of Jesus. And if you believe with all your heart and confess him as Lord and Savior, you're saved. You have been written in the Lamb's book of life of a new creation. This question is a question of your effectiveness in this life. And I believe that embracing the cross is actually the best thing that we can do to alleviate suffering in this life. It's much more painful to kick against the goads or to suffer aimlessly than the cross which says, I will redeem all your suffering in this life. But I feel conviction right now. I'm I'm reminded this is Philippians 2. I feel this from the Lord. This is for someone here. This might cut a little bit. Do all things, say all things, without grumbling or disputing so that you will be you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world no more grumbling about the cross No more whining when it's crucifying. No more pity parties when we're not getting our way. The cross is intended to crucify our way. It's just a yielding. It's an embracing. No more complaining. an awkward picture but this is the picture of hope to a dying world this is the foolishness of the cross that prophesies of a new creation no more grumbling 
No more complaining. Just embrace it. And we will learn to step into this sacred place where both the dying and the resurrecting are happening simultaneously. And year after year, I'm pressing in and I'm pressing on to the upward call of God, to the reality of the resurrection while still in this earthly tent. Come on. This is how I, we're going to close tonight is I, we're going to give space for the resurrection to break in to our meeting. And I have some words of knowledge. I believe God is going to work miracles in this room. I have faith in my spirit. And I'm going to speak uh, words of knowledge. And maybe if you're on the prayer team, you could come up. Because there is power in a new creation. This isn't some emotional thing. This is truth. The kingdom of God's here and it's breaking in tonight. So I'm going to read these words of knowledge. If they apply to you, um, you can come and receive prayer. I have a sense that there's going to be some that are going to get healed even before while you're sitting at your seat tonight. So I'm just going to read a handful here. Um, physical hearts and an obstruction of blood flow. I mean, if I call you and you have this, I just want you to stand up. Uh, uh, there's a younger athletic person, right ankle issues. Chronic gum problems with constant canker sores. Uh, chronic side aches. A woman who had a sciatic nerve flare up in her left leg. Injured wrist. Injury from a construction accident. Uh... A left foot, top of foot, some sort of a fracture. Maybe it didn't heal right, so there's pain because of the fracture. Vertigo. I also have a sense there's someone, um, you, uh, your heel, there's issues with your heel that causes problems. I have a sense that there is uh, maybe multiple people that you've been trying to get pregnant for an extended time and it's been a disappointing process. We want to pray for you tonight. I have a sense that someone has esophageal, there's an issue with your esophageal lining and it's been, I don't know if it's severe acid reflux, but you've had doctors can't operate, but you don't know what to do and it's there's something chronic um, esophageal this part and it often will shoot down into your neck and then even down into your shoulder. There's like a shooting pain right in this area that happens periodically. Yeah, if, all, if, if that's you, I just want you to stand up.
Lord, and we ask for the inbreaking of the new creation to come right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, that there would be a breaking in through the power of the cross. God, we simply plead the cross over all these infirmities, sicknesses, and diseases, God, that have been called out. Lord, I thank you that, Holy Spirit, you're touching, you're touching individuals right now. I feel like you're even touching people that didn't even get called out. You're touching right now. And we just release uh, miracles in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. God, we prophesy in faith, God, a childlike faith, that your kingdom would break in, in signs and wonders and miracles tonight for each person here uh, that's standing and perhaps even not standing. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. You know, maybe we'll just do this. This is, this is childlike. I'll be the fool for the Christ. But does anybody just want to test and perhaps was there a shift in your body right now that you'd want to just testify to some sort of healing transaction between you and the presence of Jesus? Maybe test it if it's testable. scriptures, not just my experience. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, I want you to come forward if you're standing. And uh, I want you to lay hands. We're going to have our team lay hands. And if anybody in this room, you need a miracle, I want you to come forward. If it's a, I just, I've been, I'm convicted in my spirit. You read the book of Acts. It's signs, wonders, miracles. I believe God is a God of miracles. And I want to press into that. So if you want prayer and if you need a miracle physically in your body, of any form, I want you to just come forward and we're going to lay hands and we're going to minister. And just give space for God to have his way in this place. If... Uh, you know, if you're, you're free to go quietly, if you want to go, like there's, I think we're, we're going to continue ministering, but just want to give you guys that permission, uh, in this space right now, tonight that we are, we're going to pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing here in this place. We just say, have your way, God. We give way to a new creation reality tonight. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Yeah, as you're going, just be blessed. 
you're loved. If you want prayer, we're here to pray. And just invite you on this childlike adventure of saying yes to the cross, amen.